You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of Touchdown Denver, hosted by myself, George Stoya of the Denver Gazette, alongside my good friend Nick Ferguson. And we have a guest today, Nick, a former teammate of yours, Lamont Jordan. Lamont, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. How y'all doing? Good. Well, I don't. I don't know, Nick. How are How are we doing after that Broncos game? Well, I don't know about you, but I'm doing. I'm doing well. You know why, George? Because uh, I don't have to play, right? <laughs> so I don't have to worry about it. Essentially, I'm just a spectator now. What? Well, here's what I want to know. I want to know from the, from Lamont's standpoint. You know, being as though you spent some time here in Denver with the Broncos in 2009. And you and I were both teammates with the New York Jets. What did you see in today's game? Um, you know what? I saw what kind of what we, we talked about on our show um, with Andrew and I uh, believe in the Jets. Uh, two defenses that are top defenses in the league, two struggling offenses. Um, and, and I think that's the bottom line is we saw two struggling offenses. I think the sad thing for Denver, any Denver Broncos fan, for me in the last, I'm going to say last four to five years, is I think they've had a top defense with no offense to support it. Um, And I think that that's what I saw out there today. I think Denver had plenty of opportunities. But the Jets, they fly to the ball, man. Those guys do a great job of generating turnovers. And on the show, we talked about this. And I said on the show, if you didn't watch the game, go look at the stats. And I just want you to look at one stat. And this is who's going to tell you who won the game. I said, go to team stats and look at turnovers. The team that turned the ball over the most, that's the team that lost the game. And that's exactly what happened today. Yeah. I mean, the, the interception from Brett Rippon was obviously costly. And it was, I mean, it was a game, Nick, you and I broke down beforehand saying that like, you know, we, we thought they would be able to turn over Zach Wilson we can dive into the fumble, whether it was a fumble or not. Uh, that looked like DJ Jones scored there, right? Um, you know, I thought it was a fumble, but that, I mean, Lamont's right. I mean, the turnover was huge in, in a game that the two offenses that are honestly just not very good. I mean, the Broncos statistically are the worst offense in the league right now, um, averaging, I think, 14.2 points per game. That's last in the league. Uh, there's also some other stats out there that I'll, I'll throw around later that is just historically bad, but. Uh, Nick, what was your takeaway from the game? Because I, I walked away thinking the same thing I've thought the last four weeks. Uh, you know, this is four straight losses, and they've all been the same result, which is the defense plays great, they play good enough to win the game, and then the offense can't come up with enough points to win. Yeah, that seems to have been a story for the Broncos uh, all, all season long. Like Lamont said, you look back in years past, it's been the same thing. And, and for me, I knew coming into this week and this game, it was going to be simplified – 
from an offensive standpoint to allow Brett Rippon to go out there and move the ball down the field. And that's what it was in the first half. But then you're talking about the tell of two halves. Uh, in the second half, they didn't really move the ball uh, as well. And coming out of, third, out of the third quarter, the Broncos have not fared that well as far as scoring points. And it's been very difficult. I think maybe the stat is in the third quarter, the Broncos probably have only scored three points over the last couple of games. And that's dismal. Like you said, it's the bottom of the barrel when it comes to the league. But here's what I want to ask Lamont, because he laughed when you mentioned this. When you go back to that particular play when, you know, we were all waiting with bated breath to see what was going to happen, you know, in, in your eyes. I mean, I, I know you believe in the Jets podcast the whole nine. But, but but honestly, tell us what it was that you saw. Did the officials get it right, or was that a fumble? At first hand, I was like, oh, man, he fumbled the ball. And I'm talking about live because it didn't look like the wrist rolled over or the forearm or anything like that. But that's the thing that people have to remember is that this this part right here, if this hits, all right, that's down. And and I think that that's what the officials, what the officials saw. Um, I think it was close. I think it could have went either way. Um, as I was watching and I'm sitting and I'm waiting, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is that turnover that everybody's going to go and see and see that the Jets wind up losing the game. Um, with that said, I think that the, the refs gave some makeup calls after that uh, for the Broncos, which that, I think that makes the game bad sometimes. Uh, but that is a game changer. I mean, you're talking about, uh, you know, in a tight game, what looked like a fumble that gets scooped and taken back to the house. Now the team gets the ball again. Um, that's kind of, that has to be deflating. And Nick, I mean, you and I both have been there where you're in a tight game and you get, you see a call that, you know, it looks like, you know, it's a fumble and you go to review and, you know, the call in the field stands, you know, that can be kind of deflating. So I, I, I kind of felt some of that. Um, and as you speak about the third quarter stats, I mean, I, I think the Jets are a second half team. I really think that offensively the Jets have been a second-half team. I think the Broncos did a great job in the third quarter of, of keeping us from scoring. But on that particular play that you were talking about, that is a game-changer. Um, I'm going to stick with the refs on that one, but that thing could have went either way. <laughs> yeah, talk about taking the easy way out. <laughs> I was – you know, my thought process when it, when it first happened was uh, I didn't know the rule because, like, the, the ground – like, he put the ball on the ground, and I was like – so can can because like I think it's technically if he's touched the ball can't like the ground can't create a fumble I think is the rule but since he wasn't touched the ball can I don't know it, it, that's what I was confused about and then the forearm thing I mean Justin Simmons I was telling Nick before we hopped on here was talking about it in the locker room after the game he said he was explained that even if it's just half the forearm that touches the ground first then he's then he's down but then Nick Nick said that he thought the ball was loose before anything touched. Uh, the ground. Yeah. So. Dude, dude, if you go back and you put that thing in slow motion, you're going to see, I mean, Zach Wilson puts the, the ball down with his right hand. And as he's falling to the ground, he's trying to brace himself with his left hand and the ball starts to come up. He starts to lose possession of the ball before his forearm touches the ground. That's why I'm just like, wait a minute, how can you not overturn? It, you guys ever see uh, Men in Black? Remember when they come out with the neutralizer? With this and say, hey, look right here. It seems as though that's what the officials did to everyone, you know, in uh, uh, the, the field today, right? In Pirates that field. That's what they did. Hey, look right here, and we're going to zap you and forget what you saw. That's what they did, man. That was a crappy call. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was questionable, but, you know, I 
I don't think that's why the Broncos lost. Maybe it is. I mean, they lost by a touchdown, so that's obviously a difference maker. But, you know, look, the Broncos missed an extra point. They missed a field goal. They turned the ball over. Uh, they couldn't complete drives. Like, I, I don't think that that play alone is why they lost the game. I mean, it, the offense is just so, so bad. And I, I wanted to get your guys' take on that. But let, let me read you guys this stat, and then I, I want to hear your reaction to this. The Broncos have scored 100 points through seven games. The only time they ever scored fewer through that many games was 91 in 1966. So since the NFL merger in 1970, the Broncos have never scored fewer points at this point in a season than they have this year. That's so bad. That's so bad. I don't I don't understand how – I mean, Nick, we talked about it. The expectations this year, high-flying offense, explosive, going to score points. They they've just not they've not been that and it just it's it's mind it's mind boggling to me I don't I don't understand what how they can be this bad and I get it Brett Rippon played today I actually thought he was okay I mean he didn't do enough to win the game but like he came in and, and did some nice things here and there but I, I just it's my it's mind boggling how bad they are on offense. Well, for me, I'm going to go to the offensive guy uh, right now. I'm going to go to Lamont and have him like tell me what it is that, that you're seeing right now uh, in the Broncos' offense, or better yet, what you're not seeing in the Broncos' offense? Um, I'm trying to – I think I'm seeing a whole lot of college stuff. And I think that you have personnel where you drop back and you run a traditional NFL offense. Um, I think if you look throughout Russell Wilson's career – when he's been when he's been able to consistently move the ball, he had a bit he's had a big back. And I think that for the Broncos, if they're going to have success, I really think Murray needs to be the starting running back. He brings a, a certain he brings a load that force that he weighs on the defense, especially when you're playing in mile high. Like that dude is a stud. Um I, I just I'm shocked. Listen, I have Russell Wilson on my on one of my fantasy teams. And I when I looked and I said he's got Sutton, he's got Judy. You look at the backfield that they have. Um, I'm saying to myself, they should be moving the ball. And I just think that 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 I'd rather see Murray at the running back. I mean, you have to bring – there's nothing about the Broncos' offense that says violence. There's not one thing about the offense. And we talked about this with the Jets last year where when you looked at our offensive identity last year, Tevin Coleman, our running back, he was our physical force. If I look at the Denver Broncos, I don't see anybody that's a physical force. I think Murray is that guy. And, and, and I don't know what's going on with Judy. I don't know what's going on with Sutton. But I think that there are weapons out there. And the way I see it, and I try not to be too critical of coaches, but, you know, I'm an offensive coordinator. If I got Russell Wilson and I have Judy and I have the backs that they have, then I got to put the onuses on me. We somehow – listen, Judy is dangerous. There's no reason why Judy should not be getting anywhere from 10 to 12 targets a game if you're going to throw the ball 46 times. I think that you have to somehow find a way to get him open because he's the one person on the team that has shown that when he gets the ball in his hands, he can go the distance. So I think that you have to go with a bigger back, um, utilize the weapons you have. I think Ripken is going to force you to, to, to have that type of offense. I think, I believe he's a lot taller than Russell Wilson. So I think that there are things that he's going to be able to see that Russell may not be able to see right away. Um, but I will say it's really disappointing as, as somebody who grew up, I was a 49ers and a Bronco fan. John Elway was, I just knew I was going to be a quarterback. Didn't grow tall enough. John Elway was my favorite <laughs> player. Um, you know, and they've been playing for the Broncos. It's really disappointing to see because I really had high expectations for this team this year. It's just the offense is just 
it's 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 just it's horrible. There's no other way of putting it. It's horrible. Put Murray in the game. Allow him to lean on people. Find a way to get Judy the ball. He should get at least 13 targets per game if you're going to throw the ball a lot. And and then just see where you go from there. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And and man, we we also saw it today. Like Cortland Sutton had a couple opportunities in the end zone. Uh, Sauce Gardner made a couple nice plays in the end zone. But like playmakers got to make plays at some point. Uh, and and you know Jerry Judy had 11 targets today. I actually thought it was one of his better games today. Him and Rippon have some sort of connection. Uh, you know, Latavius Murray, I think eight rushes, 24 yards, Melvin Gordon, 11 rushes, 33 yards. So whatever meeting, you know, Hackett had with Gordon, it must've went well. Cause he, he played more this week than he did last week, but it didn't, it didn't feel like they were able to get a whole lot going on the run game. And that's, I, I think the number one issue with the offense is the offensive line. I just don't think they're, they're very good uh, right now. Obviously they're, they're pretty banged up. Um, got a lot of different guys playing in there. And then you've got like, it, it's, it's also just a weird situation. Like Jerry Judy goes out and has one of his better games. He very well could not be on the team in a couple of days. Like there's, there's already rumors out there that he's going to be traded. Um, you know, I, I know Nick, we wanted to dive into that a little bit later, but like what's maybe your takeaway with just how bad the offense has been and, and kind of your reaction to today's game. Well, for me, I no. go back to what Lamont was saying, because Lamont said, well, what's the identity? There's no physicality. And to yep. me, that's what yep. you have to establish. This offense is based on running the ball and play action. And you have to have a steady balance. And sometimes we don't know what they're going to do. Like in plays where they should run the ball, they throw the ball and vice versa. So this is all on the coaches. And I'm glad Lamont said that. And I'm glad we had him on because he's been an you know, offensive coordinator before. Uh, and, you know, where were you, your offensive coordinator real quick, Lamont? So um, when I was coaching year of high school at Riverdale Baptist and then this past season with uh, D.C. Divas, the women's football team here um, in Washington, in D.C., uh, part of the WFA. And you also worked uh, in an F- XFL or something like that? What oh, was yeah. It? I had a chance to work with the X- XFL before the pandemic, before it shut it down. Um, and then had time to work with the, 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 the mad genius himself, Mike Martz, for um, I actually had three opportunities to coach on his staff to be able to work with Ozzie King, work with Tory Holt, um, to work with Mike Martz and, and, and to be able to hear their stories, to sit in meetings with Coach Martz and, and watch how he game plans, watch how he installs. Um, um, you know, the onus is on, on the offensive coordinator when you have talent, all right? And the Jets, listen, we lost, I believe, both of our tackles beginning of the season. Like, our, our line has been hurt. We're playing with rookies. And we still somehow find a way to go out there and, and win the game. So somewhere within their play calling. Um, and, and yes, listen, I get it. If the offensive line is struggling and, and this is the joy for me with play calling. And even when I was coaching youth, yeah, I may have played against teams who were more talented than me, more talented than the teams that I was able to coach. But at the end of the day, it was my job to come up with a scheme that can get us to move the ball. The Broncos have plenty of talent. I think Javante Williams losing him was a big blow to this team because I really had high hopes for him. But you have enough weapons that you should not be dead last in the National Football League when it comes to offense. Yeah, I totally agree. And and you're right. J- losing Javante was was a massive loss. I, I think you can tell that in the running game so far. Um, Lamont, before we get before we get you out of here. Um, a couple things I wanted to ask you first, give me your thoughts on, on the jets offense today. Obviously Brees hall, 
I'm a big fan of that kid. He was a stud at Iowa State. I thought he was having a great year. Totally unfortunate. Um, that it looks like it's maybe an ACL injury for him. Um, but what were your thoughts on him and, and, and also just the Jets offense? Uh, first, when it comes to Brees, man, I, I'm, I'm praying that he is good to go because, I mean, that kid has a bright future ahead of him. Um, uh, 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 initially, I thought it was a concussion. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we just got to see what they say. Um, I think Denver, for the most part, did a good job of stopping the Jets. With the exception of two plays, there was the toss, which, I mean, hey, once again, I think we have to go back to coaching on this one. I don't know if it's coaching or I don't know if some people were lined up wrong, but it looked like we lined up in a bunch formation. They pressed Corey Davis, and the outside cornerback looked like he was about seven to eight yards off the ball. Like, I mean, thank you. And you're playing against the weakness of the Broncos defense is their linebacker core. And if you watch the Jets, you've watched, if you watched the game last week, you watched the Wayne Brown get around there and pull. You know, in in, in LaFleur's offense, he likes offensive linemen who can get out there and pull. I mean, listen, as a running back, I can't stand tall sweep. I absolutely despise tall sweep. As a big back, I want to get downhill. I don't want to run sideways. But hey, listen, if we line up in a bunch, all right, and they have a point man, and our point man is Corey Davis, and he's just going to dominate that point man. And I know that I have offensive linemen that are fast, that can pull, that can get out in front of me, all right? Not to mention we had my Turk, Ty Johnson, was also leading around. I mean, listen, it was the perfect setup. What That tall sweep, you know what it showed me, is that our coaches did a great job of game planning against a great defense, and they didn't make the adjustment because we ran it a few times. Right. And then, and I'm sorry, one other point, it was that run. And the other run for me that was one of the biggest plays of the game was the end around of Braxton Berrios. At a critical time in the game, it completely shifted field position. And when you have two great defenses, two struggling offenses, field position is everything. And Braxton Berrios on that end around it was, was able to make some cuts, shifted, shifted field position. So, I mean, you know, you look at the Broncos turnover, all right? You look at the toss sweep to Hall. You look at the field position shift by uh, by Braxton Berrios, um, and I think that that's, that's, that's the game. That's the game. Right, right. Well, Lamont, we th- thanks so much for your for your insight, man. We, we, we appreciate you jumping on here. Uh, I wish we could have asked you about what kind of teammate Nick Ferguson was, cause, but I think we already know the answer to that question. Oh, um, man, Nick was a great teammate, except for days that – he would sometimes, I mean, listen, Nick was a great teammate, but sometimes Nick liked to take them little shots at you. Yeah. Nick, yeah. <laughs> Nick liked to take, listen, in, in, in practice, all right, there's a practice tempo. Right? There's a practice tempo. <clears throat> and don't get me wrong, <clears throat> Nick was always full speed, but it's just on some of them days, maybe you're not in a good mood. Um, Man, that's not my fault. No, no, I mean, that's what I'm saying. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, if it's one thing, the one thing about Nick is 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 <laughs> when you're in practice and you got the ball, he's gonna make sure you're awake because he's coming to hit you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love Nick, man. Hey, Nick, it was so good to see you, man. Hey, fellas, thanks for having me on. Um, everybody can catch me on Twitter at Coach Jordan34. I'm on Instagram, Lamont Jordan underscore 34, and it's the Believe in Jets podcast with myself and Andrew Golden. Awesome. Awesome. Well, make sure you guys go check that out. Uh, we appreciate you you coming on, Lamont, and maybe we'll have you on in the future. 
Appreciate you, bro. Thank you. No problem, baby. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody, we're back from that quick break. Uh, again, shout out to Lamont Jordan joining us on the podcast. He was fantastic. Uh, shout out Nick for, for getting him to come on. Uh, maybe I'll get some of my former high school teammates uh, <laughs> to, to come on here. I'm sure they'll have some good, some good well, insight. First all, wait, wait, first of all, they're not going to say that you decided to tackle them one night after going out to a nightclub, right? <laughs> yeah, no. Is no. that what they're going to say? <laughs> yeah, no, they're going to uh, – they're gonna they're gonna tell some other stories that probably are not appropriate for this podcast. But um, okay. Nick, 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 we got we got a lot to talk about still. Um, you know, we covered a lot in that first segment, but I, I think we need to start this one with Brett Rippon. Um, obviously, put in a tough situation for him. Um, I, I think people also maybe that that haven't covered the team or haven't been around the team don't realize. I mean, this was only a second career star. I mean, the guy hasn't played a ton of NFL football. I think he's got some talent. Um, but, but clearly this is not a guy that is probably your ideal backup in a lot of situations, considering he hasn't played that much, but I thought he came in and, and did a nice job 24, 46, which is a lot, a lot. I mean, we can get into that 46, you know, pass attempts is a ton for a backup quarterback, 225 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception, 56.9 rating. What would you just think of Brett's performance? Look, I, is he the reason they lost the game today? I don't know. I mean, there's so many factors that go into it, but uh, I thought he did, you know, about as good as we thought he was going to do. Yeah, absolutely. Just kind of the idea that Brett is a backup, hasn't had a lot of experience, but he did say that uh, he took a lot of reps this week in practice. And even with that being said, George, I still didn't think that he would uh, be prepared as much as we would have loved for him to be prepared. But I knew that, they were going to come in with a simple game plan, allowing him to go out there and execute, and that's exactly what we saw, especially in the first half. The thing that was uh, baffling for me is uh, I saw a couple of personnel groupings and some route concepts with Brett Rippon that we didn't even see with Russell Wilson. I was wondering, okay, well, I know you want to simplify it for Brett, but why are we not seeing more of these same things and these concepts with, with Russell Wilson? I mean, we, I saw a formation where you had three receivers flexed to your left side. And you had Greg Dosage open to your right. That's right. No Abadoka Wabun on, but it was Greg Dosage. I'm like, where was that before? And then when you look at the play where all the turbans Murray actually scored his touchdown, you had a tight end off the ball. They brought him back across the formation to be the lead blocker like, like a fullback. I'm like, where was that? And the tight ends, I mean, we didn't see a lot of catches from a lot of group of guys, but we did see the tight ends come back to life in this game. I think it was 13 targets as a group. And Greg Dosage pretty much led that group. But I'm just like, but what was that before? And that was kind of the biggest question mark for me was why were we seeing these concepts that seem to be easy throws for Brett Rippon that we were not seeing with Russell Wilson? I, I noticed the same thing, Nick. And and here's the other thing that I also noticed. And I, I wonder if you saw this too. It seemed like they were under center a lot more, which is something that I think you've talked about. I've talked about a lot of people have said, why don't they have Russell Wilson under center more often? That's what he did in Seattle. That's what he was successful at. Play action, boot, those types of things. They did that a lot today. It was almost like they were running maybe a different offense than what they've typically been running. I mean, you just mentioned it, different plays and, and stuff like that. I mean, did you, did you notice that as well, that it was almost like they were running a, a different-looking offense at times? 
Yeah, it seems as, as though that that was the case. And I was talking to someone, they were like, well, maybe the reason they were running a lot of shotgun plays is because that's what Russ wanted to run. Hey, listen, I'm all for talking to players, trying to figure out what they do best and trying to implement that into the scheme. But at the end of the day, if your scheme means as though your quarterback has to be on the center to force the defense to play the run, to open up windows down the field because now you have play action to your disposal, hey, listen, you have to push that narrative uh, across. Now, I don't know, George, I'm not – I go in the locker room, uh, but but I don't, I'm not having that conversation with offensive coaches. But I did realize that Brett was on the center a lot more than we've seen with Russell Wilson. But it did show in the first half because the Broncos were moving the ball. There was some kind of movement – and rhythm with the team in the first half, but in the second half, it just seemed as though it fell apart. Yeah, they, they were moving the ball uh, at times. It, it was almost like, uh, it, again, like it was a different offense at times, And but then, of course, they fell apart, so I guess it doesn't really matter what they were running. Um, but it, it just, again, it was it was disappointing and, and honestly frustrating to watch. Um, you know, Brett Rippon talked about it after the game. We have some audio here of him talking a little bit about the offense and their in their struggles and and he was he, he was pretty blunt uh about it Nick and and I, I want you to to hear this audio that we have here from broncos.com and then we'll we'll we will react to it when your defense is playing as well as our defense is um you shouldn't be losing games and that's that's just point blank period of fact and we got to figure out what we can do to turn this thing around cuz I still think we have a good team um but we got to figure out, you know, what what are our best plays on offense. Um, everybody's got to be on the same page as far as like what we're trying to do, how we're trying to attack defenses, and um, go into each week and have conviction in the plan. Mm. I, Nick, I, I want to know your reaction to that because my reaction um, to that was, who's not on the same page? Uh, who thinks that they're not running the plays that are their best plays? Uh, and I think it's also it's also fair for him to say that the defense is holding up their side of the bargain right now and the offense needs to figure it out. So what was your reaction to that? Because I thought that was a pretty uh, straightforward answer there from Brett. Well, the first thing I thought was uh, Brett decided to let it rip and rip it did. He ripped off the Band-Aid per se because, once again, it's something that we've been talking about and everyone knows, you know, what the defense is opposed to what the offense is. But he said it himself. I mean, getting on the same page. But well, what does that mean? Does that mean the players and the coaching staff? And why are they not on the same page? Are they not communicating? And why they're why are they not communicating? And the fact that guys buying into what was being sold, and maybe that's the game plan. And probably the problem itself, because some guys are seeing the game plan, they're going, like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! There's no way that this is going to work, especially with the weapons that you have." on the team that we are limiting our firepower by only doing certain things. So for me, and just a small amount of words that Brett Rippin said, he said a lot. This is two weeks in a row, Nick, that I think that players have gotten up on the podium or, or talked to the media that have kind of hinted at frustration with maybe the coaching staff. And I don't know if, Nick's or not Nick's Brett's comments were, you know, totally directed at the coaching staff. But again, it's sort of like Justin Simmons comments after the Monday night football loss to the chargers, where he talked about the definition of insanity and uh, the frustration of doing the same thing week in and week out. 
like I don't know if he was directing that at the coaching staff, but it's directed at general, you know, generally everybody, which includes the coaching staff. And that's the way I took Brett's comments is like, Hey, like, like we're not on the same page from the head coach calling the plays uh, to the offensive coordinator, to uh, maybe the quarterback's coach, to the wide receivers, to the linemen. Like it, it's very clear. I mean, how many times, Nick, do we see every single week that receivers just maybe aren't in this in this spot that the quarterback thinks they're going to be in, right? Or that they're they're running plays that are kind of like mind-boggling on third and one. They're running, you know, rollout throws to Andrew Beck that are not even past the, you know, the first down marker. It's like, what are the what are they doing? Like it's just and what's crazy to me, Nick, and I'm like going on a rant here, but what's crazy to me is I really thought it couldn't get any worse. You know, last year I watched Pat Shermer and Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. And I was like, well, this is just horrible and gross and disgusting of an offense. This is their <laughs> own pace. They are on pace to have one of the worst offenses in NFL history. Like, and, and, and it's just crazy to me because Nathaniel Hackett is supposed to be this offensive genius and he was supposed to come here and, and score all these points. And, and to his credit, in his previous stops, he has. Like, he's, he's, he's scored points. He's put together good offenses in his previous stops. So I, I'm confused as to why all of a sudden it's not working here. Is the personnel bad? Are players not buying in or is, is Hackett in over his head? It was it all BS in his previous stops. I don't know, Nick, I don't know the answers. We're sitting here in week. What is this week seven? And it just feels like the same old story with the offense every single week. And we have no answers. Well, it's funny. Once again, that's why hearing Brett Rippon say what he said, it, it, it's so, it's so telling. He, he's actually, admitting to us that there is a fundamental problem on the offensive side of the ball. Now, he didn't mention anyone by name or by position, but he's telling you there is a fundamental problem and we're not on the same page. And I would definitely add this to it. Rob Asala and his preparation for the Denver Broncos, to me, he didn't have to do too much homework because, one, Brett Ribbon didn't really play a lot, but, two, he just played a version of the Broncos' offense the week before when he faced Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur in the Packers offense. So he had somewhat of an idea of what he was going to face in particular. And just think about it too. Aaron Rodgers, and I know we can say, well, no, Devontae Adams, he is struggling in Green Bay with that offense. So it makes you wonder, okay, but well, what's going on with the offense itself, right? Is it the offense or is it the individuals taking the offense and its uh, tradition and then just trying to, like a mad scientist, add this and add that to it? And things are spontaneously combusting because every single week the Broncos offense go out there and they score less than, let's say, what, they're averaging, what, 14, 12 points a game? Yeah, 14. Then now, yeah, so, so now everyone's looking at the thing of Hacker because that was the premise that you were hired on. The fact of being able to turn this offense around from what it looked like under Pat Shermer and seeing as though it is not a better version, it's a worse version. Now, once again, this is why people are coming for his throat. And he has to find some way, somehow, I don't know how he does it, but take a page out of Brett Ripper's book. Hey, we all need to get on the same page. I mean, you got a long trip over to London. So hopefully there's a lot of dialogue going on between the Mills and watching those movies. Yeah, well, maybe they should watch like Remember the Titans or something on the on the plane ride over there. That always gets that always gets me a little juiced. Uh, maybe some Rudy, uh, Britt Rippon's like Rudy. 
No, 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 no. You 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 have to watch Varsity Blues, of course. Varsity Blues is good. That's a good yeah. one. We we should we can we can Nick, we can we can break down best the good one. I mean, you just really dismiss varsity blues like that. Come on, no, man. it's good. It's good. I'm just saying, you know, in the off season, we can have a we can have an entire podcast dedicated to the, the uh, greatest <laughs> the greatest football movies. Um, yeah. What one guy who 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 did have I would say a pretty good game was Jerry Judy. Yeah, um, you know, I he, seven receptions, ninety six yards, eleven targets. Uh, maybe there's just a connection there with him and Rippin. I believe he caught his first career touchdown pass from Rippin a couple years ago against the Jets. So maybe it's just some sort of like magical powers that those two have. Um, it was interesting timing too, because uh, Nick, I'm sure you saw the report and everybody listening to this saw the report uh, this morning that he is on the trading block. Uh, there's quite a few uh, you know teams maybe interested in him. It sounds like the Broncos might also maybe be interested in dealing him if they can get the uh, right amount of you know draft capital or whatever they want in return. Uh, what was your reaction to, to Jerry's performance? And also the news of him, you know, possibly uh, on his way out. Well, first and foremost, I, I thought it was uh, great to see him go out there and make some catches. Like you said, his first touchdown pass about, uh, was it, three years ago now, uh, came from Brett Ripon in a Thursday night game against uh, the New York Jets, a game in which the Broncos actually won. So I, I knew that that chemistry definitely was going to be there, but it just really showed and hopefully it quieted the critics uh, somewhat, but we know it's not going to quiet them. Uh, uh, in its entirety, but it was great to see him go out there and show people exactly what he can do. But it did raise that question for me as what as far as watching him out there make those plays. He was only building up the draft capital for the team to trade him. And there's a team in Green Bay who runs a similar offense. Guess what? They're having wide receiver issues. So I don't know if that's going to be a team that Jerry is traded to. But I like Jerry. You know, contrary to what most people think. And uh, I would hate to see him go, but I know that this is uh, business. But he did right for himself going out there, uh, making a couple plays today. Yeah, look, I don't know what what the Broncos are going to do. Um, you know, half of me says they should keep him. Half of me says, you know, get what you can because this season's lost. But, like, he, st- he still has another year on his contract. He's cheap, right? Like, in terms of he's still on his rookie contract. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think, Nick, we've seen sparks from him where you're like, okay, this guy can be really good, like one of the top receivers in the league. And then he just kind of disappears. And, again, it's the chicken or the egg conversation. Like, is that his fault or is that the result of having to play with, you know, Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater and now, you know, Russell Wilson and Brett Rippon this year? Um, you know, the offense is not, you know, moving the ball. Guys aren't open. Like, it, you know, who, whose fault is it? I don't know. I mean, it, it would not shock me if Jerry Judy gets traded to, like you said, Green Bay. And all of a sudden the guy becomes like uh, a pro bowl type receiver. Like, like that's the kind of, like, I think he has that kind of talent. I just don't know what the issue is here in Denver. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with him uh, moving forward because he had a great game today. And if he plays like that, then I think he's worth keeping, keeping, you know, long-term. He's a guy that you want to have on your football team. Um, But if not, then, you know, maybe you move him and, and, you know, I think this week's going to play big in that. You know, what what are the Jaguars going to do? Like, if, if you lose to the Jaguars, well, maybe you become a team that's, you know, it's a wholesale and you're selling, you know, all sorts of guys on the football team, right? I don't know. But, um, Nick, we got to take a break. I'm, I'm rambling at this point. I, I know we want to talk more about some of these guys that could be traded. Um, but let, let's take a break and we can dive some more into the game and then uh, also maybe some, some other guys that might be on the trading block.
Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody. Welcome back from that quick break. Uh, And Nick, let's jump into um, one other thing that I wanted to talk about from this game. And then then we'll get more into some, some trade talk. But... I thought Nathaniel Hackett had some interesting comments to say after the game, and, and I, I'm going to quickly play his audio, and then I want your reaction from what he had to say. This was from uh, the first question asked, which was the offensive struggles. And, and this is the most frustrating. Usually Nathaniel Hackett gets up there, and he's got you know maybe a funny remark, or he's you know some you know positive spin, you know those sorts of things. He was very frustrated after this game, and, and this is what he had to say from Broncos.com. Yeah, I'm, I'm sick of being up here saying the same thing over and over again. Uh, the opportunities are there, and at some point we got to take them. Uh, there's no excuses. You know, we've been in every single game, and we got to win these games. Uh, as a team, as you know, the offense, defense, everybody, uh, you know, we've been in these opportunities. We've had these opportunities. We've been in these situations, and it's frustrating uh, being up here having to say the same thing because, um, like I said, those opportunities are there, and uh, we got to make them. We got to make it that simple. It's the NFL. It's going to be hard. You, you got to, especially close games, which we've been in, you got to come through and win those games. Nick, a couple things from that. One, you can tell how frustrated he is. Um, and it, it's very clear that he wants to get this thing fixed. Number two, we talked earlier about players maybe talking about the coaches. Is Hackett in this audio talking about, hey, players got to go make plays. These guys have to go execute. These guys have to go take advantage of the opportunities. Cortland Sutton has to go catch the ball in the end zone when it's thrown his way. What is your takeaway from that audio from Nathaniel Hackett? Well, well, first and foremost, that's exactly what he is uh, definitely saying. And you can tell based on uh, uh, how he presented himself, it was more of a serious tone uh, opposed to the jovial, playful tone that we normally see from Hackett, and like he said, telling us the same thing. But, yeah, that's what he was saying. Players got to make plays. I mean, he's talking about McManus with kicking the extra yep. point and kicking the field goal, Corlin Sutton being able to go up there and, you know, jump up for the 50-50 ball. And, hey, listen, Sauce Gardner pulled you, and they should have called you to call the P.I., and they somehow missed it, but we need you to make that play. We need the offensive linemen to block to give Brett Rippon, you know, time because that's been the issue as well because they, they were not doing the same for uh, Russell. So both quarterbacks had to deal with the same thing. And then also on the defensive side, as well as those guys have played and they have played their behinds off. There's always one leaky play at the end of the game. You can say, oh, we wish they had that back. And you think about the Jets and the struggles and Zach Wilson and his struggles. The thing that put the Jets on the map was that 62 run by they're calling him Brees Lightning. Uh, yeah, that, that was the play that kind of solidified the Jets and allow them to win the game today. I know there's so many other plays, but I'm just going to go back to that particular play because, for me, that really set them up for, for as far as the momentum is concerned. But, yeah, Coach Hackett was talking about uh, the players, and that was kind of a more serious tone than we've seen. So either someone's had a conversation with him or he knew that they, someone was going to have a conversation with him after the game. Brees Lightning, I like that reference there. That was good. Uh, one of my favorite movies, Grease. That's a good one. Brees Lightning. Yes. That was good. That was good. Um, but, yeah, no, man, like, I, he's he's clearly frustrated. I think he knows his, his seat's getting a little warm. Um, look, I don't think they'll fire him after one year. That's I mean, that's pretty uh, unprecedented, after, you know, in, in the NFL to no, just fire no, a guy. Hold on now. 
Remember Steve Wilkes? He got the boot. I know but it's it's rare though. It's very rare. And and, and and George Payton doesn't strike me as someone that would do that. But again, you know, looking looking ahead at the schedule, because I, I feel like look, we could talk about this game forever, but it's the same game that we've watched the last four weeks from the Broncos. Um, it's just it's just bad on the offense, and that's 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 it. But I look at the schedule, Nick, moving forward. I see maybe one, two wins on 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 the schedule. And I know it's the NFL. Things can change. Things can happen. You can win a game that you're not supposed to. Uh, but I look this week, you see the Jaguars two and five. I, I think they're I think the Jaguars are already opened as a four and a half point favorite. Uh, the Panthers was the other game that I looked at and said, oh, the Broncos should win that. But also the Panthers just beat the Buccaneers pretty good uh, today. So maybe not. Um, so it's, it's going to get really warm for Nathaniel Hackett. And if they finish the season, let's say five and 12, six and 11, which would be really bad, uh, considering the expectations, but if they finish around there, I don't know, I wouldn't count anything out. I mean, if the Broncos want to move in a different direction, again, the ownership, this wasn't their head coach. This wasn't someone who they picked. I don't know how hands on they're going to be, but it's going to be interesting moving forward to see what Nathaniel Hackett's future looks like. Okay, with, with that being said, November 1st is the NFL trade deadline. Yep. And, and earlier we talked about uh, the fact of uh, rumors spreading about uh, Jerry Judy and possibly trading him. Once we started seeing those things take, take shape, that will tell us a lot about what they think about this year, this coaching staff, and how ownership wants to proceed moving forward. Because if you start having a fire sale like the Carolina Panthers are doing, then that tells us already you've already given up on the season. You're looking towards next year. And the knowing as though you gave up a lot of draft capital to acquire Russell, now you're trying to get draft picks back. And, and I think it would be a, a, a bad thing to trade Jerry Judy, not because I like Jerry Judy, but I just think about the level of production. And he showed us today what he could do if he is involved in, in, in the offense. And I'll, I'll say this, George, that last fade route to Corlin Sutton, Big body versus big body. But to me, he didn't have enough speed to outrun Sauce Gardner. So for me, I would put Jerry Judy in that in that particular uh, position. But right now, as we're thinking about the trades, uh, and, I, and I've been on social media and I've seen a lot of things, and obviously it's uh, trade Melvin, trade Albert O, trade Jerry, and more importantly, they, they say trade Bradley Chubb. And he's quite aware of what people are saying in the rumors himself because – He's on an expiring deal, and he's he's been playing well. And I don't know if the Broncos are willing to take uh, and uh, extend his contract. So he is definitely a prime candidate. But but for you, what what guys do you see who have value that the Broncos can actually trade and get something else in return? Well, I think Alberto is getting traded. I think uh, if there's one guy that is one thousand percent getting traded, I think it's Alberto. Um, two weeks in a row inactive. Like at this point, it's pretty obvious they're they're looking to unload him. Um, like it's, it just is. What are they? What can they get for him? Probably not a whole lot. Maybe you know a conditional sixth or seventh round pick, something like that. If you can, great. I think you move him. Uh, at this point, I don't see a reason not to. Right. Uh, you've you've got Greg Dulcich, who's, uh, you know, coming off a really good game uh, against the Chargers, and then I thought he played well again today uh, against the Jets. So he's a guy that they trust. He can he can play. Um, so I don't think you lose a whole lot in trading Alberto, uh, Jerry Judy, again, like I said, 50, 50 depends on what you can get for him, right? If you can go out and you can get a second round pick, um, I'd probably do it. 
Uh, I really would. And, and that's because I think that you can, you can find good receivers. There's a lot of good receivers that you can find to try and replace that production. And maybe Jerry goes on and has a great career somewhere else. And the issue was always just Denver. But when you think about the Broncos future and they're sitting at two and five, two and six next week, maybe, uh, you know, you need to start stockpiling some of those picks. They don't have any right now because they traded for Russell Wilson. So if you need a second rounder, I'd trade him. Bradley Chubb, that's where it gets tough, man. It gets really tough because I think Bradley is elite and I think he's among some of the best uh, in the league at what he does in terms of pass rushing. The issue, though, is if you're going to keep him, so you're going to lose other guys because you're not going to have the money to keep him and other players. You're also paying Randy Gregory, you know, $60 million or whatever it was, uh, you know, for, for a long term. So I don't know if, again, it's kind of a Judy situation where I don't really want to give him up, but if someone comes to me with an offer, I can't refuse, like, let's say a first round pick, um, I might take it uh, because I just think it's going to be really tough to keep him in the off season unless you franchise tag him. And even then that's going to take a lot of money. And then you're just going to have to do the same thing the next year. So it's an interesting, interesting situation. And then Melvin Gordon, I wouldn't trade him just because I don't think they have the depth right now at running back to get rid of another running back. No, you can't do that right now. And it's really tricky because once again, you have to say, okay, well, if you're trading a guy away to acquire draft picks, what are you therefore saying? Not just to the fan base, but to the guys in the locker room, we have officially, you know, scrapped this season and we're just moving on to 2023. And let's say if you a guy on the offensive defense side of the ball who's at a contract year, you know how that hurts you from a standpoint of making money for yourself and your family. So they have to be really careful about how they do this because you can move on for players. You can trade them. It's part of the business, acquire draft picks. But once again, the, you think about the character or, or the culture that you're building in that locker room, even though everyone knows about it's about uh, the business of football. But now those guys are probably going to start to lose their little mojo and say, you know what? If the team has figured as though we're done, so why should I mentally be in it? So it's going to be interesting. And the whole Bradley Chubb situation definitely going to be interesting. I know the Broncos have a lot of edge rushes now. We still don't know what Nick Benito is. Uh, he hasn't really played a lot. And Randy Gregory is out. So can you afford to uh, – trade Bradley Trump. Well, and it looks like Baron Browning might be out. Uh, yeah. he, he suffered a, a hip injury today. So all of a sudden, if both those guys are out next week, you're you're talking about Nick Benito and Jonathan Cooper being your, your two edge, rusher, edge rushers, which I like both those guys, but it's not Bradley Chubb and Baron Browning or Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory. Uh, Nick, before we get out of here, let me ask you this because you asked me it. Which of those guys would you look at maybe trading? Or is there somebody else that we didn't mention that you would you would maybe say, hey, Let's maybe shop this guy around. Well, I don't know if there are so many guys who have uh, a trade value at this point. Yeah. And the only guys that do is Jerry Judy. Call, well, I'm not going to say call him. Jerry Judy, Abadoka Webinam, and Bradley Chubb. And based on what we're saying about the edge rushers, you can't trade you know, Bradley Chubb. I mean, you could try to trade uh, Jerry Judy. I wouldn't want to see that, but I understand the business. But once again, you have Russell. You paid him a lot of money. You committed to him. You trade away Jerry, what are you acquiring? You're looking to go and get a younger guy in the draft where you have to kind of fine tune him and get him really up to speed on what's going on. I don't know if that's a, the perfect move. But for me, the ideal guy is uh, Albert Okawebenham. He, he hasn't lived up to expectations. The Broncos trade away Noah Fant, thinking that he was going to be the guy. And you've been active two weeks in a row. So it is see you in so long to Albert Okawebenham. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that could definitely happen. We'll see. Um, you know, they head to London here tomorrow on Monday, which 
makes me think would they i don't even know how that would work if they traded a guy while they were in london i guess they would have to get a different flight back that would kind of suck though i i would feel bad for whoever that guy is uh to have to just fly back and not get to play in the game on sunday but why do you, why, why do you feel sorry for him he's getting a first class flight a first class meal to wherever else he's going and i guess that's true but like and he's paid but it would be, wouldn't it be such a pain in the ass to fly out there on Monday and then find out you were traded on like Wednesday and you just have to fly back immediately? Like, I would just, it wouldn't be very. And also, I'm sure these guys, look, I know they're disappointed and all, but like, this is definitely a game that they've probably, them and their families have had circled on their, their calendars for a while. Getting to play in London, I, I would assume, is a, a pretty cool perk of, of do, maybe not. Maybe players hate going over there and, and having to play a game, but, um, it's still pretty cool. What do you? Th- oh, you just gave me a look, Nick. I guess the players don't like playing over there. Well, some do, some don't. And yeah. it, when it comes to the business of football, guess what they say? Oh well. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. Makes makes the NFL money. Uh, exactly. So, uh, well, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a fun trip for myself. I, you know, I'm staying about fifteen a fifteen minute walk, twenty minute walk from Buckingham Palace. So I'm definitely going to check that out. Uh, but, uh, Nick, we, we will be back this week. It'll be kind of an odd schedule. Uh, cause like I said, I'll be in London and, uh, I, I know we don't want to record at like two 30 AM for you. So we will, we will figure out the schedule. We will let the people know. Uh, but Nick, any final thoughts before we get out of here, uh, for another week? Yeah, man. Hey, listen, save travels, take some, uh, some photos, uh, and don't, uh, let those Brits, uh, kind of, uh, get you sucked into their ways. I won't. I will. I just will be drinking from their pubs, um, which is, is going to be going to be a good time is what I hear. So I've, I've never traveled this far. I'm kind of kind of looking forward to it a little bit nervous. Uh, you know, I always get a little bit anxious before big trips like this, but it should be yeah. a lot of fun. So uh, looking forward to it. But thanks, everybody listening. Thanks again to Lamont Jordan uh, joining us today. Uh, he was fantastic. Make sure you guys check out his podcast uh, and uh, please like subscribe, share the podcast, and we will see you guys again later this week.